You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. (laughs) But for the most part, I thought he did a really good job, and he played very aggressive. I mean, he played two really good games the last two nights um, as far as scoring the ball and getting the ball where we want. And we showed him some clips last week um, of settling versus attacking, and we felt like he really attacked. He had a good, he's had a good look at him the last couple of nights. I had the ball. I mean, I don't know, you know, um, any secrets to, you know, why today was different for me the other day. You know, doing the same thing I've been doing all season, you know, trying to be aggressive. You know, today I just got the ball a little more. I think uh, most importantly was just to take the shot that's there. I think it got to a point where I was missing so many shots that I tend to force you know, driving the ball. And that's why I get offensive fouls and, you know, turning the ball over. Uh, I think, you know, I just need to let it go, let it fly. And if I miss, move on to the next play. And uh, that's what we talked about. They won. They won. It took overtime. Yep. I want to go to bed right now, so let's do the show. Garden Report, <laughs> CLNS Radio, Celtics blog. They win the Celtics 109-102 to 102 over the Pistons. Let's do it. I am Jared Weiss, Julian Edlow next to me. We're CLNS Radio's own, and we're about to break this one down for you. The Celtics, they win it 109-102 to 102 in overtime. This game, yeah. you know, they won by seven points, but it definitely was not an easy win, even at the end. Every time they would get a lead, the Pistons would crush it right back down. Obviously, they had to make it difficult on themselves. They haven't won in a long time, if you take the Sixers game out of it. The Sixers actually won tonight as well, but... You know, they they had plenty of chances to kind of finish off a three-win Piston team tonight in the fourth quarter and even early on to build up one of their bigger leads that they kind of have been doing but never got tonight. And they just kept letting the Pistons back into it all the way to Karan Butler's three to send the game to overtime. And, you know, it was chippy in overtime, but they finally broke away and they got a victory. Good for them. And Jeff Green got them a victory. Jeff Green was huge. Six for 10 from deep, 10 for 10 from the line, eight for 22 from the field. Not, not as yeah. good sounding, we'll but take, 32 We'll points. take it when you shoot 60% from three. That's true. That's true. I mean, he, he, he had everything going for him tonight. I mean, sure, the field goal percentage mm-hmm. doesn't sound that good, but he, he just, I think that was the most ideal Jeff Green performance that we've seen. He got five rebounds, which doesn't sound like a ton, but I mean, he had some good rebounds at the end there. And he only turned it over twice, and he had a lot of ball handling duties tonight. Yeah, I think offensively that was kind of Jeff Green at his best. You'd like to see a little bit more, you know, some block shots, some rebounds, and just show that he's being aggressive. But on the whole, 
His 32 points came from all over the floor. He was obviously very effective from three, shooting six for 10. Didn't miss from the free throw line, shooting 10 of them. Eight for 22, yeah, but you know, he got to the rim and was as aggressive as, aggressive as we like to see Jeff Green. So overall, one of Jeff Green's better games on a season where he's been pretty good so far. And my favorite play was in crunch time. He, drew, he backed out, drove left on Karan Butler and got the foul way up top. And, you know, just the fact that Jeff Green was able to, one, make a move to his left, which he very, very rarely does. It's always been a problem for him. Mm-hmm. And, two, to get that foul when he needs it. And he just, he drove head of steam looking for that foul. It was so easy for him to do tonight. And I feel like it's something that he could do pretty often. We've been clamoring for him to do it. And when he finally does it, we go, hey, that looks so easy. Why don't you do it every night? It does. I mean, he's a guy that can shoot 10 free throws a game like he did tonight. Maybe not 10, but, you know, 7, 8, like a lot of the superstars do in the league. He's a guy that should be able to do that. And, you know, he spoke after the game. The first questions were, you know, you seemed really aggressive tonight. And as he always does, says, you know, I do everything the same. I'm always trying to play aggressive. But it does stand out on nights like tonight that maybe the next game, Friday night against the Lakers, he won't shoot any free throws. And we'll be back to asking you know, where was his aggressiveness? But tonight, it was certainly there. And, I mean, one thing is the defense. I mean, the Pistons' defense was kind of – they're not very good. They, they had a lot of nope. holes, and he got a lot more opportunities for clear outs, for isos, for drives on curls around the top, a lot of opportunities that he doesn't usually get. So going up against a bad defense, that definitely made him look better. He's not going to be getting that against the Grizzlies, for instance. Right. I mean, the bottom line is they got the job done, but – you know, the Pistons after tonight are now a, a three and sixteen team. So, you know, it came it came ugly. The win came ugly against a pretty bad team, but you know, maybe this is what they needed to get some momentum going. It's weird that you're saying three and sixteen, because I'm looking at this team. You got Josh Smith, Andre Drummond, Brandon Jennings, Greg Monroe, DJ Augustine had yeah. a really good year last year. Things aren't quite, they have a lot of quite working Joel out for Anthony. Yeah. Superstar Joel Anthony. Um, maybe maybe this all this problem is they didn't keep Will Bynum. They should have kept Will Bynum. Huh? <laughs> but I mean, the Pistons roster is, is a lot of guys that on an individual level are really good. Yeah. Andre Drummond, fantastic tonight. Um, Josh Smith, absolute train wreck of a human being tonight. Um, but and that's mean. But I don't, but I mean, he, you, you look at how disjointed this team is. Drummond had a huge game, and of course Greg Monroe had a monster fourth quarter. Josh Smith. Just looking at this quickly, Josh yeah. Smith fouled out in 28 minutes and shot four for 15. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It's not good. So, point being, Jeff Green is going up against a disjointed team, and he takes advantage of it. You want Jeff Green to take advantage of his opportunities. His issue has always been kind of sitting back and waiting for opportunities to present themselves to him. Tonight, I felt like it was more of those, I'm not going to sit back and, t- and wait for it to come to me. I'm going to take it when I see it. Agree. Okay, good. Let's see if he can analysis. let's see if he can take it when he plays a good team. Okay, so Kelly Olinick, let's let's flip this around real quick. So Olinick uh, was having a Josh Smith like a uh, couple weeks there where he had been. couldn't hit a shot. People were running in circles around him defensively. I mean, it was a nightmare for him. Mm-hmm. And the game started out pretty poorly for him. Yeah, he still looked yeah. he still looked completely lost out there. And then yep. something clicked for him in the third quarter and then especially in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then he got put on Andre Drummond in the fourth quarter, and you're thinking Andre Drummond's going to win the game here. But he did not let Andre Drummond score one basket while he was guarding him. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I have nothing to say. What I do have to say is that Kelly Olenek did have three blocks tonight, mm-hmm. and I also have no idea where that came from, but it was great to see. 
and he Olenek had you know seven points right off the bat in that fourth quarter. He he really got it going tonight, and you know he held his own defensively, and that spark that we were talking about, that fire that maybe should have gotten lit under Olenek when Zeller took his his spot in the starting lineup. Maybe we got some of that tonight because he was very solid defensively, and I'm still amazed by those three blocks. I can't stop thinking about them. Yeah, it was, it was a little weird. I think there was a guy was going for reverse, and he swatted it out of bounds. Yeah, he rejected he looked, one right out of bounds. He yeah. had some, like, Andre Drummond-esque blocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you have to get a couple feet over the rim for it to be Andre Drummond-esque. I mean, that guy was he had five blocks tonight. He was all over the place. Who knows if that Jeff Green layup would have gone down to win the game. Andre Drummond up. 30 feet in the air. Boop. That's true. It looked like a good look. But with it was me, a good shot. With me, what I loved about Olympics game tonight, it wasn't the fact that he dropped 20 or that he hit a couple threes. It was that he got he got put on Drummond, didn't let Drummond score, was keeping him away from the rim. Drummond, I think, had one basket while Olenek was on the court in the fourth quarter, but it was because I think Olenek was already retreating because mm-hmm. it was an offensive rebound. But whatever. He, he was great on him. But he also was getting steals. He was playing the pivot, and he was doing a good job rotating. He flying over from the weak side. I mean, he played really good overall center defense tonight. Yeah. And we never really see that from him. No. Yeah. He, that's... he, he was, I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I hope we see it more. I don't know how he did it against Andre Drummond because nobody can do it against Andre mm-hmm. Drummond. I don't know why he didn't do it against Aaron Baines. He's not as good as Andre Drummond. He's not but as good as Andre Drummond. Though. But, you know. Let's see if he can do it again. That's that's all I have to say. All right, well, we'll find out more in part two. We'll be right back. Before we go, do not forget a few things. We want to just do the whole kind of house clearing here. So first Let's off, do it. like us on Facebook, Garden Report, Celtics, search that on Facebook. You'll find us there. We put every, all of our content on there. you got to download our podcast on iTunes. It's the audio version of this, so you can listen to it while you're driving and not looking dead on our beautiful faces on the video. And then also download the CLNS Radio postgame show. They get a full length, over an hour long, call in, all that kind of stuff. But it's really good to listen to after the fact if you want to get a breakdown and fan reaction to everything that went on. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, all right. We'll be back for part two, Garden Report, CLNS Radio, and Celtics blog. Yeah, I told him I told him while we were standing on the court with .4 seconds left, and I thought that the first stint wasn't as good. And, um, and then after that, I thought he really responded. Um, you know, we put him on drumming quite a bit. Um, and he did a great job playing position and then just going back and blocking out and letting other people, you know, go and get the ball. Um, but he was, I, I liked the way he played today. When you see him pull up for a three. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does. You know, one of the things that bothers me a little bit is how f- much fewer threes he's taken than other guys, especially with the way he's shooting. His percentage is probably the best on our team, right? So, you know, um, I want all those guys to take what they're taking, but I want him to take a lot more. Everybody's going to have a tough stint. Um, you know, the good part is, is he had a tough stint, but it didn't affect his whole night. So um, it's okay to have a tough stint, but don't you know be able to respond to that. Um, I don't know the answer to your question, um, and I don't think it's um, applicable only to one person. I really think it's applicable to coaches, players, people in every industry, people that woke up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, and everything else. And if you find the answer. Please email me and let me know. Well, Evans, you know, shooting what eighty-seven percent or something. Um, we were playing Rondo and, and off the ball and some of the actions. You know, we had Rondo run a run a cut to get him on a live dribble on a pick and roll to start the overtime. 
and, and he made a nice pass to Sully, a little jam play. And, um, you know, I, it doesn't really matter who has it to me. Um, you know, I took him out the one time, and I, and I immediately regretted it and felt like I should have had him back in. So I had him um, taking the ball out the rest of the time. Um, I've not been myself. You know, I haven't been as aggressive. I haven't been making shots and turning the ball over. Um, so, I, like I said, a lot of those losses I put on myself. And, you know, I had to find a better rhythm. Why haven't you been yourself? Um, I don't really have the answer. You know, if I had it, I'd probably figure it out. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm still confident in myself. I'm still believing in myself. So, that hasn't shot away from my game, and I'll continue to get better. All right, we're back for part two now. Let's talk about Rajon Rondo, or rather, the lack thereof mm -hmm. Rajon Rondo. Just, why don't you walk me through what you saw happening out there? Well, he had two points again. Shot one for six. That's not being aggressive. What did you take the glasses off for? We're getting serious? No, my head hurts with okay. that, too. <laughs> anyway, you know, this guy is, you know, supposed to be your leader. Two points against teams like the Hawks and Pistons is not good enough. And, you know, he had three rebounds, eight assists. He had a bad game tonight you know, by Rondo standards, considering that his two points came with 12 rebounds and 19 assists against the Hawks last night. And my big takeaway from Rondo was that Brad Stevens had him on the bench at least two possessions from the last minute in the fourth quarter on into overtime, presumably to hide him from going to the free throw line and putting Evan Turner out there as the ball handler, as the guy that would go to the free throw line. It is ridiculous that you have to hide your all-star point guard at the end of games. Your best player. Your best player because you're afraid of him going to the free throw line. Mm. I, it's ridiculous, it's unheard of. I can't remember it happening to anybody else except for Shaq, who is a center. So, Rondo, you gotta fix the free throw shooting. The funny thing is he's become a better and the, shooter. And the scoring, Yeah, overall. He has had, he's had two his, points his in two, two straight games. two points where you know, he pulled up on a breakaway, had a pretty confident jumper, and that's all we get from him tonight. He can shoot. He's shooting you know, 42, 43% on the season coming into tonight. Why can't he score? Why can't he score at the free throw line? I mean, to be fair, Jeff Green was taking a lot of the shots tonight. They took... Which they, is good. Jeff they, Green should be taking a lot yeah, of shots. Yeah, I mean, they took 93 shots. The Pistons took 102. I can't remember the last time we saw 100 when field goal attempts yeah, in a true. box score before. It's been a while. When there's 93 shots and Jeff Green takes 22 of them, I believe that means there's 71 left over. You would think did Rondo... Did you see subtraction on the Garden Report? I did. Wow. I think wow. Rondo could probably take more than six of those 71 shots and probably make more than one. Probably. But it, it's he, he sits back. That's kind of been the way he's been playing this year. There's, some, there's something wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's more than just rust. It it's, is. Really, it's really a matter and of the way he's trying to play his game. You did ask me earlier if Rondo said anything in the locker room, and I said he was mostly talking about Chris Tucker's velour jacket in what Atlanta, which is about? true. Yeah. But it's now just coming to me that he did say that he has not felt like himself the last few games, which is probably more notable than the velour jacket. But it, it, we've, we've seen it with the scoring, and, you know, eventually he's going to have to be himself again and try and get more involved. We were just talking before the show. He's averaging eight points a game. We need more, Rondo. That's of, of any person you consider to be a star or near-star caliber player in the league, 
that's probably the least amount of scoring of any of them. It's and even Kenneth, I mean, even Kenneth Farid is probably scoring more than that. <laughs> he gets by with it with his assist numbers, and he ha he is having a career year rebounding the ball in shorter minutes, which is impressive. He does. He's a very unique player. He does a lot of important things, but scoring is something. Scoring is something that high-paid superstars do. That just that comes with it. And then you know the other things that you do are what you get paid the bonuses for. The scoring is supposed to be what you get when you pay a player that much money. Well, so here's the thing. So I remember a couple years ago there was a very heavy debate about whether you'd rather have Russell Westbrook or Rajon Rondo. And it was a very fair debate at that point in time yep. because while Westbrook was as explosive a scorer as there was in the league, Rondo overall was a complete package and was a better player overall. But and as things have as things have played out, though, you see that Rondo is not a go-to guy in crunch time. Absolutely. Can, I mean, when they have good talent around him and they can execute, they could run good plays through him. But Russell Westbrook is a guy that you go to and he closes games out. Rondo yeah. is a guy that they're taking him off the floor. They're Carlos Boozering him. That's I'm, never that's good to be really Carlos Boozer. That's a really mean Boozer. thing to say, but they're Carlos Boozer. <laughs> I mean, to go to that debate really quickly, I think the reason that was valid a couple of years ago is because Rondo is the perfect guy to put with your Paul Pierce, your Kevin Garnett, and your Ray Allen. He can get away with scoring two points and averaging eight points per game. When you have those 19 assists, 12 rebound nights, it looks fantastic. And in his own right, he did score. You know, he had some 40-point playoff games, which was great. But on a team like we're seeing out here, you want a Russell Westbrook. You want a go-to guy that can go out and get you 40 on any given night, and Rondo's not that. So I, although the debate was valid a couple years ago, for this team, the guy you want is more of a Russell Westbrook-type player. For that team, the Pearson Garnett team, you want a Rondo-type player. They're just different players. So they just have to give up all their first-round picks for Russell Westbrook, basically. Just all 17. Give it a try. Yeah. I would, like to give them up the for role, I would like to give them up for Andre Drummond, which yeah. is something we'll get to. I don't think it's happening. Okay, so very quickly before we box and ball, Marcus Smart made his return tonight. He played five minutes, and then Steven said he just didn't think he was ready. Just he hadn't he hadn't practiced. He just it wasn't the physical issue. Just he wasn't a rhythm. And they went with Phil yeah. Pressy, and Phil Pressy had a really good game. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to talk about. He didn't play many minutes. He hasn't been around the team a lot lately, so Stevens didn't feel comfortable playing him. Maybe he was a little stiff. Maybe he wasn't completely ready either, and you know we just didn't hear about it. And there was no reason to question it. Pressy had a good game, so not much of a story there in my yeah. opinion. And I talked to Pressy a little bit off camera after the game. I think you were there for that too. We did. He, he was talking about uh, trying to work with Avery Bradley there, and there mm -hmm. were these plays where he was spacing in the corner. Bradley was trying to do isolation. Looked like yeah. Bradley wanted Phil to get more involved. It wasn't really working, but then. Phil started getting rebounds, getting into transition, yeah. and the entire game opened up, and they, they ran out to some big leads by just Phil getting the rebounds. Let's see. Phil, I mean, we'll look here. Phil he only Pressy, had three rebounds, but he, I think he had four assists. I would agree with you. Most four of assists, seven points in yeah. eight, almost 18 minutes. Yeah, he was solid. That's a good, that's a good Phil Pressy game. And that's good because Phil Pressy hasn't really been doing that much, but he's starting to get a little bit of opportunity with Smart out. It's nice, and he's, nice to see from him. For those saying that Phil Pressy in the five-minute samples that we were seeing wasn't effective anymore, it's, it's pretty clear that once he gets a chance to get in rhythm with a second unit, he's pretty effective. He waited until Smart got healthy to have a good game, so <laughs> bad timing, but nice to see from him. Hey, more depth, more depth. Okay, so very quickly, let's box and ball real fast. So yep. Just hit me with both of your answers real, fit, real fast. So I was just talking about Andre Drummond. Even though the Celtics won, Andre Drummond was my baller tonight. 
42 minutes, 27 points. He had 14 rebounds. He had five blocks, including a ridiculous block that could have saved the game on Jeff Green, where he just jumps through the gym and gets these shots out of there that you would think had no chance of being blocked. I thought Jeff, I was waiting for Jeff Green's shot to hit the rim, and boom, he just comes out of nowhere. He had four steals on top of it. He shot 12 for 18 from the field. Andre Drummond is the type of player that the Celtics need. Throw everything at the Pistons and get him. <laughs> not happening. Unless you got try, Durant or try hard. Davis or something like that, you're not getting them. Okay, quickly, do you have a, a stat of the night for me? Stat, Celtics 13 for 30 from downtown, 43.3%. That's why they won the game. Okay, so for me, my boxing out stat, it doesn't apply after overtime, but as of the end of the fourth quarter, Brandon Jennings, the you know, guy that shoots a ton, Brandon Jennings, it doesn't pass a ball. points in one of his first games in the NBA. Wasn't quite the same tonight. No, he, he went 0 for 10 from the field, but had 10 assists. One of the weirdest stat lines I've seen, especially considering who it was. And then for me, my baller tonight was not Brandon Jennings, surprise, surprise, <laughs> but it was actually Jeff Green and Kelly Olenek all tied together. But the guys that I've been criticizing, I want to give them their come up. I want to give, give them their credit where credits too. I mean, Jeff, I, I, it was my favorite Jeff Green game in a while. I, I just, I loved, yeah. I loved how he played tonight. I didn't mind the misses. I just, I love the. I love the, the way that he was deciding to run the ball, and that was what was really important. Is that he was trying to run the plays, him going ahead of steam, driving at the ball, uh, driving at the rim. His last play where he got blocked by Drummond there to try to mm-hmm. get the game winner, I thought he, I thought he was, it was perfect still, on that yeah, play. Yeah, it was still a great he, play he by Green. He beat Butler off the, the dribble. Yeah, there. sure, but he beat Butler off the dribble, was attacking away from the basket, and he always has that bad habit of throwing up the shots. Yep. But he took a nice little curve step back in there, got the position and got the shot off. Mm-hmm. and. I, that was the kind of move. It was that last step to get to the rim. That was a real important development for Jeff Green. We need to see him stop throwing those ridiculous fadeaway runners that he does hit sometimes, but then half the time he throws, throws off the top of the backboard. Yeah. He's got to make that step towards the hoop, get fouled, or get the shot off. I mean, that's how he's got to play. And we got to get out of here. We do. It's late. I'm losing my voice. Got to try not to be too sick for tomorrow. So, overtime games, man. We're going to end this one here. Celtics actually win it in overtime, 109-102 over the Pistons. I'm Jared Weiss at Julian Edlow. We're out of here. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Peace. How good is James? Uh, he's, he's real good. Um, you know, he was you know struggling a bit today, and then, you know, in overtime just went off. I mean, he's, you know, part of the reason that we, you know, came back and won that game.